welcome back to season three of my podcast. I am Amanda Blackwood, the survivor. As many of you know, I wrote my autobiography as a survivor of human trafficking called Custom Justice. For those of you who didn't know, now you do. Keeping in line with that, this entire season is going to be focused on interviewing other trauma survivors who did or plan to write about their own experiences as trauma survivors and how they overcame their past. Get ready to hear from some truly incredible people. Please hang on for a moment through this brief advertisement. This is what currently pays for the show. Of course, I will also take donations through PayPal to keep the show running, or you can show support by a simple book purchase. I have quite a few out there. Just look for books by Amanda Blackwood on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Your purchase does go to helping to support local organizations that help fight human trafficking also. Michelle Rolfe has spent a lifetime focusing on relationships and encouraging others to cultivate their own healthy relationships. Uh, she speaks at retreats, at women's meetings, Bible studies. She has a passion for mentoring and discipleship, whether it be one-on-one -on -one or in small groups. She's married to an awesome, wonderful, supportive man and has been since 1995. And she lives in Phoenix, Arizona. She has two daughters, two grandsons, and two small fluffy dogs. Um, we're going to be talking about her book, Losing Her, Finding Me. Uh, and as of right now, this is Michelle's first book, and I'm super excited to have her on our podcast. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Amanda. It's great to be here. I'm really happy to have you on board. I know when I uh, reached out and said, hey, I'm looking for guests for my podcast. Is anybody out there um, overcome trauma of their own and then written about it? As soon as you reached out, you mentioned something about uh, separation and estrangement, and my heart just in in a matter of seconds just broke in a million ways. And I think there's so many people out there that can really um, re can really identify with your story in a lot of ways, not just me. Um, before we get too much into your story, tell me a little bit about where you're from. Where did you grow up? What was your family life like when you were little? I was born and raised in a small town in Utah called Kaysville, and I actually, my parents lived there the, their entire life, so they were in that house for like 47 years. It was beautiful. The house was right up against the Rocky Mountains. It had a creek that went right next to us. It was a beautiful place to grow up, and uh, I, I grew up in a town of Mormons, because we're talking Utah, and especially back, you know, what, 50 years ago. So my entire neighborhood, most of my neighborhood were Mormons. So the only religion I really knew, because my parents didn't raise us in any kind of religion, was Mormonism, even though I never converted, but I would go to church with my friends and different events and things that they had. So that was my real exposure to who God was even though I wasn't, you know, a Mormon. So I grew up in that 
atmosphere. I was, um, I had a brother. I have a brother. He's four years older than me. And from the minute I was born, that boy hated me. <laughs> yeah, he did not like me. In fact, one time he, they told me the story about when I was a brand new baby and my mom just brought me home and they, my parents and my grandparents were sitting around a table talking and they look up and my four-year-old brother is carrying me down the stairs and they all just, you know, some of them stood up. My mom sat, kept sitting down and just said, don't scare him or he's going to drop that baby. So he came all the way down. And then once he got to the bottom of the stairs, my mom said, well, what were you doing? What were you doing with the baby? And he said, I'm taking her to the track. Oh, no. Yeah, he wanted to throw me away. So <laughs> that, that's a really good setup of our relationship, our entire young. I mean, we have finally come to a place at 60 his age and 65, 60 my age that we finally come to terms. But um, so I grew up with a lot of rejection. I would say I was rejected by my brother. I was rejected by the community being Mormon and not being Mormon. And I was also rejected by my maternal grandmother who just had it out for me from the, uh, for as long as I can remember. And she favored my brother, which made it even worse because I was never good enough and he was always perfect. So I grew up in that kind of atmosphere and all I ever wanted to do, Amanda, was belong. I wanted to fit somewhere. And so when, let me see, let me see, I can't remember, I was probably 22, 23 when I met my husband, which is my first daughter's father and um, got pregnant and had my baby. And that's when I decided my life mattered because she made me matter. She gave me a purpose. She made me belong. So I put absolutely every part of me into that baby. And that's wow. started the problem. <laughs> wow. Well, and I'm going to back it up here for just a second. Kaysville, Utah, is that that's over near Clinton? And Layton, is that right? It's between Salt Lake City and Ogden. My mother delivers mail out there. Uh, <laughs> I grew up in Riverdale. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> also not Mormon. We moved there when I was 12. My dad was in the military. He was stationed at Hale Air Force Base there. And my yep. parents, for the first time in his military career, decided they were going to purchase a home and they wanted to live off base. It was probably um, the best decision they could have made for themselves, but definitely the worst decision they could have made for their kids. <laughs> oh. It was an interesting time in our lives for sure. Um, but yeah, I just, as soon as you said Kaysville, you're I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> oh, what strange coincidence. There's definitely um, God's moving here. Uh <laughs> yes, definitely. Yes. Oh, man. Talking about family estrangements and then you bring up Utah. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's so funny. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, bizarre. So beautiful. It's a beautiful area for sure. It really is. It's so gorgeous that eventually when I uh, finally found a place to settle down and to call a place home, I chose Colorado because it's a very, very um, similar scenery. 
Yes, I love Colorado. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit more about um, the form of trauma that you've had to overcome and how it's impacted your life. What happened? What was what was the big um, heartbreak in your life? I would say the estrangement of my daughter. I I've lost a lot. I mean, I've I lost my dad and my sister-in-law in the same morning. Uh, then six years later, I lost my mom. So there's been a lot of death. And oh, I lost my best friend. I lost my ex-husband. <laughs> so there's been a lot of death in my life. Wow. But honestly, Amanda, the biggest hurt to me was losing my daughter because it, at least with death, they have no choice. But with she chose to walk away from me and she chose to reject me. And because I'm coming from that fan, that you know, childhood of rejection and thinking that she was my everything. Honestly, I made her my savior. And you know how God talked about that. Okay. <laughs> so that was going to happen forever. Um, that when I lost her, she took my identity with her. She took every bit of just support, purpose, love, uh, everything. And I recognize, and I I definitely want your listeners to understand, I know that was wrong. I know that me putting all my hopes and dreams and purpose and et cetera into this child was a disservice to her. And that gave her trauma too. But at that point, when she walked out, it crushed me. And I have said it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Because it took me down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. It takes you down to a very dark place. Yep. And I sat in my chair and I ate C's chocolate and watched TV for months. I just couldn't even, I couldn't even get out of my chair. Wow. Well, at least you have good taste in chocolates. Um, <laughs> So how did you cope? How did you eventually uh, start to fight back and to um, fight for yourself? That's a really good question. One day, well, what I did is I started to think, okay, there's got to be other people out there that are going through this. And back then, Amanda, estrangement wasn't talked about as much as now. Now I feel like everybody's talking about it. There's a whole bunch more, probably still not as much as there could be, but there's more YouTube channels and more talking about it. Um, but back then I looked for info and there just wasn't anything. So I found one, how do they call it? A message board on the internet. And I started just reading other people's stories and, and seeing how similar they were to mine. Uh, not really doing anything wrong, um, maybe offending them by saying the wrong thing. But to me, in my entire life, you just work it out. You talk about it. You don't leave. So that was so weird to me. But when I read all these stories, it happened over and over and over again. These adult children being offended or deciding that their childhood was 
um, it, it, you know, so awful that they can't even have a relationship with their parents and never talking about it, never trying to work it out, just walking out. And once I started seeing that, it helped me know that I wasn't alone, which being alone is a huge, you know, trigger for me. But the other thing was, is I noticed that, oh, okay. So one day I'm looking at the stories and this woman said, oh, I used to play pickleball. She was in her sixties and I volunteered at church. I was very active and in great health. And ever since this happened, now I'm bedridden. I'm on multiple medications and I can hardly walk. Wow. Yeah. And that just went, hit me straight between the eyes. And I thought, I cannot be that. I cannot let myself get fatter and fatter and fatter eating these chocolates and sitting on my bottom watching TV. I can't do it. I'm not going to let myself go when I'm only in my 50s. This is ridiculous. So that was a big wake up call for me. First thing I did, because as we all know, when we're depressed and feeling awful, we don't want to do anything. (laughs) (laughs) My first thing was I called the gym and I set up an appointment with a trainer, knowing that I would, if I had a commitment, that I would go because that's the way I am. So I had this trainer for three times a week and that was the only time I got out. I get up and get ready and go to the trainer and come out. But the more I got out and the more I did something, the better I felt. And I started thinking, well, maybe I do want to go to lunch with a friend, or maybe I do want to go out and do something else. And sure enough, I started living my life again, not saying that I still wasn't totally devastated. And because that happened. The crying and the all that happened for at least a month or a year to 18 months, two years, until I finally got, got a hold of that and realized, you know, it's a whole journey. It's all in my book. It's <laughs> definitely, it, it, now I say it was the worst thing that ever happened to me, but it's also the best thing that ever happened to me. Because it made me find myself. I had to find out who I was apart from my child. Right. And that's, you know, God had to show me that she is not your savior, Michelle. I am. And so it was a whole learning and getting to know God again and realizing that he's my friend and my comfort and my uh everything and that my daughter was not she right. was she's just a person doing the best she can and now that you have uh come through all of this um i understand that your daughter is back in your life and we'll get to that here in a minute but what helped you what kind of services and resources and people what helped you in your recovery what was the most important thing that you were able to do because i know there was more than just the personal trainer too right oh yes so after the personal trainer actually so when this first happened when naomi walked out i was in celebrate recovery which is a faith-based 
10 step program. Mm -hmm. I was going for codependency. I, I don't have, except for sugar, I guess I'm not addicted to anything else, but um, <laughs> I got that one. Yeah. <laughs> and so I started going through that and I went to a small group. So it was a year long. I think ours went nine months and you have a sponsor and you work through all your forgive, you know, all the people that have offended you and you work through forgiveness, you make amends. And that was huge. That was a big help for me to really look at my life, look at where I went wrong in my decisions and my expectations and all that stuff. And also it really helped me put Naomi in her proper place, which was a child who was not supposed to fill my needs. She was a child that I was supposed to take care of and it wasn't her job to take care of me. Right. Yeah. So the, the celebrate recovery really helped with that. The other thing I did was I talked to my friends and my husband ad nauseum <laughs> because, because I'm an extrovert and because I have to talk to figure things out. I did do that for sure. Um, it's cool that your, your husband has been such a great support to you too. I mean, I, I, my wedding was just in January of this year, so we're still newlyweds, but my husband has been, and I know will be my biggest support for the rest of my life. He's amazing. That is so good, Amanda. Congratulations. By the way. <laughs> Thank you. Where would we be without these amazing men in our lives? No kidding. I'm just so <laughs> proud of you for choosing well. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had a lot to do with that. Yeah. He, he did the choosing maybe before I did. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Um, he's been, my husband from the very beginning has been supportive and loving and encouraging. He, you know, he's also a voice of truth. And a lot of the times he would, when I was lying about myself or lying about the situation, he's the one that would be the say, you know, Michelle, stop it. This is not true what you're saying. You need to look at this and this is not true. And that helped wow. me, you know, that really helped me know, you know how you can do that. You can start telling yourself a lie and before you know it, you're in the depths of hell. <laughs> yep. And I really appreciate that with him, that if I tell him, he can bring me out of that Yeah. before I hit. I'm trying to think of what else, Amanda, but I... I think the celebrate recovery, the going to the trainer, getting myself moving again, my friends and my husband. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then just talking and this, I didn't mean to do, but whenever I would talk to anybody about it, almost ever like the lady who took my headshots and my hair, the lady who did my hair at uh, the salon, I would say what my book's about and it, always have a story about estrangement. Almost yes. everyone I meet has a story about estrangement. And that just is so sad to me. That's definitely heartbreaking. It is. Yeah. And it, it, it's common amongst um, 
trauma survivors who have survived other forms of trauma too. This is very, very common among survivors of human trafficking, of course, but it's, I've met people that have been through birth traumas of their own where they've struggled with their own pregnancies and have been estranged from their families also. And it's, it's heartbreaking because that's, those are the dark moments where you need your family the most. Oh my gosh. I know for sure. Yeah. So if you had any kind of advice for somebody else going through estrangement, what would your advice be? My first thing is I would say you need to grieve. You need to feel it. You need to let it happen. You're going to go through the five stages of grief that we all go through when we lose anybody or lose anything. You know, we, if we move away from a place we loved or anything, the minor stuff as well as the really uh, big stuff, like somebody actually dying. So you lose somebody to estrangement, you need to you need to feel it because we can't sweep it under the rug. We have to let it happen and be sad and eat our C's chocolate or whatever <laughs> that we do to get through. Um, that's my first thing is you've got to go through this. Right. Second thing is I would say reach out for help. Get help. See that there's other people. Now there's a, a bunch of Facebook groups. There's a bunch of there's all kinds of YouTube, there's all kinds of things. So you can look at and look at how other people are going through it, what they're, how they're dealing it with it, what other advice they may have. That really helps you feel like that you're not alone and that you're not the one that's so crazy. And that's on both sides too, Amanda. I, it's funny because when you're in the middle of something, all you do is you see your side of it. Right. So all I was seeing was me as a parent being estranged by my daughter. But now as I've gotten more involved in with my YouTube channel and my Instagram and stuff that I do, and I'm hearing other people say, well, my parents, I had to estrange them because of their toxicity or because of the way they treated me. And so now I'm understanding that estrangement is not just one sided. It's not just a parent. It's also the children having to keep their distance because there are problems and behaviors that they can't be around. Yes. Yeah. So I totally get that now. I'm starting to learn more about that. Yeah. So, and, and it's it's really difficult, too. I mean, you're, you know things from your story, and you know... Uh, and like I said, we're going to get into this in just a second because I can't wait to get to this part. Um, you know what it's like to have that second chance with somebody that you love. And you want that for other people. You want them to have that same happy ending. But it's not always possible for all other people. And they have to understand that every story is different, too. Yes, because it has to be. It only can happen if you both want to change. Right. And right. a lot of times you, you can't, that was my number. That was my third thing, Amanda, is you can only, you accept the things you cannot change. Right. That was a huge help for me. And I recited that over and over again, accept the things I can and change them. And I accept the things I cannot change. And I just have to move on. And I think, especially at the beginning of an estrangement, you, you want to control it and you want to, 
what can I do to make him love me? What can I do to let him have him let me back in their lives? And I'll send gifts. I'll walk on eggshells. I'll do things at any price. Bargaining. Exactly. But the thing is, is we cannot live like that. Right. We can't, we can't be, that's unauthentic. And unless we're authentic and live our, what we, our best life, and that person doesn't like us, we can't make them like us. We just can't. And that's accepting the things you cannot change. Absolutely. So after everything that you've been through and you went through your recovery, there is a part where she walked back into your life. Yes. What was that like? What happened? (laughs) It was so weird. (laughs) (laughs) That is not what I was expecting to hear, but go on. (laughs) It was just, you know, she came in and almost, it was like, acted like nothing happened. (laughs) After four years, four years of a year of turmoil and then three years of actual absence. And so it was my husband and I, we would, after she would be in our house with the kids and then she would leave and we would look at each other and just think, does this feel like you're in a dream or something? Like, (laughs) this is so weird. (laughs) And it was, it was just, you know, for years she's been out of our life either out of our life or telling us we're awful people. And so to have her back and just being normal, it just felt like we were in a dream. It was it for the first probably four to six months, we were just feeling like we were in a dream. So wow. that's what it was. That's what it was like, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys had a chance to talk about everything that happened? She isn't unwilling to. Okay. Um, I, when, when I wrote the book, it was so good for me to see why, cause that was a huge thing was why would she do this? Why would she, we were her and me against the world. We were best friends. Why would she do this? Once I wrote the book and was able to see her life from beginning to end and see her trauma her abandonment issues and some of the things that have happened in her life, then I was able to say, Oh, okay. I mean, I don't know if that's why she did it, but I can see why she's not, why she copes the way she copes. Now I understand her a little better. So I can't remember your question. (laughs) If you guys ever had a chance to talk about everything. Yeah, so I tried to talk to her that night she came back. We were having a birthday party for my daughter, so my younger daughter, or some kind of something, and she just stuck around and went with us to the store and went with it. And I remember asking her, why did you do this? What, what, what's the, you know, what what were you thinking? Because I'm that kind of person is I, I, I'm just very, um, 
what am I trying to say? I'm very much psychological. I like the psychological stuff. I like to know why we do things. I, I want to know motivations. I always wonder about my motivation. So I just wanted to know why. I didn't want to like beat her up about it or anything. I didn't even want to argue. I just wanted to know why. Right. And she kept saying she didn't know and she doesn't remember and all this. So it was very early on. I realized that I was going to get nowhere with her in that area. So my husband and I just had to decide, we decided from the minute she walked in the door that we were going to let it go. Just like the prodigal son, like the dad, it was like the dad didn't ask why he didn't ask anything. He just let him back. And we felt led by God honestly, to just let it happen and let it go. So we did, and we let her back. And and I am thankful. I mean, I'm really thankful I got to see the grandsons and that we get to be involved in their lives. You see, I think she's been back about three, four years. And I would say just the past maybe two months, I'm feeling like we're normal. Wow. Yeah. And you've got two daughters, right? Correct. How did your other daughter take all of this? Was this really hard on her too? It was so hard on her. She was young because she's from my second husband. So she was there eight years apart. Oh, wow. That's her big sister. Yes. And Lilo, her name's Lilo. And she loved, she just loves her sister. So she sided with her sister but she was young so she was 13 14 when this is all going down which is such a hard age anyway as in finding themselves and all the teenage stuff so she was going through that plus hearing her sister badmouth us all the time oh yeah and so that made her hate us too and i mean i don't i'm sure she hated us for her own teenage reason <laughs> yeah as teens do <laughs> yeah but I know her sister did not help. And I remember one time we were sitting there talking when Lilo would actually talk to me. And I said, it's like you're going through a divorce. And she said, oh, my gosh, mom. Yes, you're right. Nobody understands that. But that's exactly how I feel that I'm going that I'm in the middle of a divorce. Wow. Yeah, so I think it really impacted her. It it was hard on her to see her family ripped up and and me crying all the time and ugh. That would be hard on any kid. It'd be hard on anybody who loves you. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, she she now she's great. I mean, her sister and her aren't great friends anymore. That's gone kind of crazy, but at least you know what I'm thankful for, Amanda, more than anything? <laughs> What's that? Is that we can all be in the same room and get along. Yes. Right? We don't need to be gushing over each other. We don't need to be whatever. But can we just be together and celebrate someone's birthday and not be a deal? <laughs> right. You, you don't have to be best friends. You just have to be family. Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm very thankful for that. So I understand you have a passage of your book that you would like to read for us? Yes. Awesome. So I am going to let you take it away. Okay, this is the very first chapter. 
Chapter one, the worst. You don't think we can work this out, that they'll come around? Why, I, I mean, how, you think it's over forever? I started to panic as the possibility set in. My husband, Lance, was the unemotional one, the logical one, the let's take a breath and figure this out one. What was happening? Lance walked into the living room and sat down next to me. He didn't speak for a long time and then, Michelle, they called us liars in our own home. They have been keeping that baby away from us all year. And now they have accused us of things we have never done. There is no coming back from this. We have no defense. He pulled in a breath as he swiped at unwelcome tears. But we didn't do those things, I said. There's got to be something we can do, something we can say. We have got to change this. How could this happen to us? We were good parents. We were amazing grandparents. I don't understand how this is happening to us. I was still not crying. There were tears for me. I was in shock. Daughters don't do this to their parents. Children don't do this to their parents, period. I couldn't believe Naomi would do this to me. Okay, maybe to me, because she had been mad at me ever since her grandmother died, but not to Lance. She loved her dad. How could she do it to us? We had always supported her and encouraged her, and we'd given her every opportunity under the sun. Even if we had done something wrong, how could she walk out that door and not have a little grace for her parents being human? This was crazy. It couldn't be real. It couldn't be forever. But it looked like it just might be. Oh, that was heartbreaking. I, I'm glad I already gave it away that there's a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. That's actually so, my favorite chapter. The last chapter is my favorite chapter. So. Oh, that's cool. That's <laughs> me too with my autobiography because the last chapter kind of uh, wraps everything up and it says what all I've done since then and how the recovery process went and where I am now. And there's so much to be said for that little glimmer of hope, even though the rest of it might be so heartbreaking. It's so important to, to have people see that. Yes, yeah. definitely. So where do people find your book when they're looking for it? You can get it anywhere books are sold. Uh, Barnes & Noble online, especially Barnes & Noble, Amazon, ChristianBook.com. Um, you can get it from the publisher, which is RedemptionPress.com. That is cool. Redemption Press. I need to check them out anyway. Yeah, they're, they have lots of good books people a lot of memoirs yeah yep I need to do that um <laughs> I'm working on another one right now that is specifically about finding God and, and welcoming God back into my life so. yeah that was a huge part for me too Amanda was the I've had Jesus in my life for many many years but to really see him come he really showed up for me yeah through all the pain and the him really letting me know that he is real and he is next to us always and that he is our comfort that even you know he never promised us a rose garden 
He never said things wouldn't be hard, but right. he did promise us he would always be with us. Right. And something he, I really got a hold of during this time is that he was with me and that he would get me through. That's fantastic. And this is his life. You know, he gave me this life and it is a gift. And because there was so long that I just wanted to die. And I kept saying, I just want to die. I just want to die. Can I just die? And one time, one day, God said to me, you know what? This is not your life to take. This is my life that I gifted you. And I will say when it's over, you do not say when it's over. You still have purpose. You still have a life. So you need to, you know, to live it. That's fantastic. And that's one of my biggest things I do on my, on my reaching out to other parents is that I really want to get through to them that they are valuable and they have a life to live apart from their child that yes, being a parent was part of our purpose for a time, but now for whatever reason, we are no longer in that role, but that doesn't mean there's not a world of people who need us and need our love and need our um, service. So we need to do that. We need to get out of ourselves and go help the, what the world. There's so much to do out there. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> So there's always one question that I love to end on to kind of uh, elevate things back into that light place one more time. And you've listened to a couple of my podcasts, so you probably know which question I'm going to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, what is one thing that you love about yourself that is not based on physical appearance? I, the first thing that comes to me is that I am a really good friend. I'm a, I'm a really good friend. I don't get offended. If I'm offended, I work it out. I am not somebody who leaves and I friendship is valuable to me. It's important to me. And I really work at being a friend. I work at being a good friend and I really value friendship. So I think that's, that's my thing. That's awesome. Well, hopefully, now that we've gotten to know each other a little bit, eventually I might work my way onto being uh, one of your friends because I think you're an amazing person and I would love to keep in contact with you. And you know, I just, I think you're awesome. Me too, Amanda. I, I, you're already my friend. That's another <laughs> thing. It doesn't take much to be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and you and I, I feel like we've already chatted, so we're friends already. enjoyed tonight's episode make sure that you head on over and check out the episode description you will find links on how you can both support this podcast and how you can actually follow this author on social media check out their website find their books find their blogs whatever it is that they provide me with is what i provide in the episode description so check it out go support our people